Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He is worthy, isn't he? He's worthy. Oh, there's an unusual presence of the Lord. Not unusual, but, but it's, we're just grateful. Grateful for the joy of the Lord. We had a, a memorial service here yesterday, and it was unlike any memorial I've ever been to. It was a celebration, and um, it was dancing. The man's wife danced. Megan danced before the Lord and his daughter. And, uh, but it's just an amazing testimony. And, uh, well, uh, Jay will come officially welcome everyone in just a moment. But uh, I wanted just to share something. You know, every Friday we've been meeting, we call it Friday Night Fire in the Falls. And, uh, you know, the ultimate purpose is... It's that we were going to cast these nets out over the internet, big nets over the internet. It's harvest time. But the Lord's really meeting people. And this Friday night, I mean, there are little ways the Lord has shown us. And it's an in-person, online crowd. But anyway, so they, our intercessors come out of the prayer room and they say, you must share this word of knowledge. We saw the Lord is going to heal someone tonight online with cataracts. And they have a hole in their retina, you know, and the Lord wants to touch them. So I took it and mentioned that word. Well, we got an, an email, and there was a lady watching from Pennsylvania. And that word spoke to her specifically. So we just, you know, these little things, but it's big, big things. And so we give God all the glory. And then also, um, we heard about Monday night at a men's meeting. The Holy Spirit showed up at a men's meeting. And Ray's going to tell you about that in just a moment, you know. Just one announcement that I want to mention. Other than Friday night, 7 o'clock, this will be our ninth Friday night this week. So we invite you to come be a part. We just worship, then we pray for people, we baptize, and we just, we just gather. I think this is happening all over America, placing little gatherings, you know, just to exalt the king. And, uh, but uh, the other thing is, Judy had a vision, and I'd ask her to pray about this, but if you have been a part 
are you in the medical field in any way, retired or that you know, or maybe you're part now, but, but we're going to form a new healing team made up of people that are called into medicine to go lay hands on the sick. So they're going to be ready. And so anyway, I just really bore witness with that. What an amazing healing team that will be. Not that we won't have others praying for the sick, but this will be a specific healing team of those called into the medical field. Whatever that is, you know, an, an aide. You could be a nurse's aide, but if you want to be a part of that, see Judy. Raise your hand, Judy. and Yeah, she's the one. So anyway, Jay, come tell us what happened at the men's meeting on Monday night. God is good. Hey, welcome everybody online. Welcome all around the world. I don't even know how many countries this is going to, but wherever you are, we welcome you in the spirit and we pray that God, the Holy Spirit will meet you exactly where you need to be met today. Welcome everybody who's visiting here today. We appreciate you all, every one of you for spending this Sunday morning with us and um, we're going to take the offering here in a minute. The buckets are up front here and online. There should be something come up online so that you can see how to give and sow into the kingdom and what we're doing here in Moravian Falls. So Monday night. <clears throat> um, Don, you want to come up here and make your way up here while I'm talking? Um, a little bit of background. Um, in the men's den, we started uh, focusing on the Holy Spirit. And we started focusing for about two months. We focused on the Holy Spirit. Um, and then uh, Don said, Jay, I think we need to focus on building a culture of honor and respect and how to deal with offense. And so we took a couple of weeks and we did that. And we took, as men, we decided that we're going to take a physical, tangible step, and inside of our men's group, we're going to start, start honoring one another and start respecting one another and start dealing with the offenses that are going to happen in between us as a group of men first. I jokingly told him, if you haven't known me very long, then I haven't offended you, because if you know me long enough, eventually I'm going to offend you, and so we're going to have to deal with that. So, And it's the truth. Um, so anyway, Monday night, we, um, and then we got done with that, and the Holy Spirit just told me, hey, I think next Monday at the men's group, Jay, you just need to open up the floor. We've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff, and we'll just have old-fashioned Pentecostal tent meeting, prayer meeting, whatever that appears to be. And Don was like, okay, that sounds like a really good idea to me. So that was the background for Monday um, one of the brothers who had had surgery walked in about five minutes late and um, he was in some obvious pain and so we were like, we just stopped. Hey, sit down in this chair, let's pray for you. We started praying for him and that's when the Holy Spirit began to interrupt our, our lives. We started praying for him, the Holy Spirit hit him. He started, you know, being happy. He's, we're crying, I mean, all this stuff. One of the things that happened while we were praying the Holy Spirit told me, tell him that he's going to have a left shoulder just like Steve Carlton. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's probably one of the greatest left-handed baseball pitchers of all time. 
It's in his left shoulder, the surgery was. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird, Holy Spirit, but I'm going to do it. I said, you're going to have the left shoulder of Steve Carlton. He started laughing. He looked at me and said, my friend just prophesied over me and said when I could throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball that he'd get me a tryout for the St. Louis Cardinals. I said, that's even weirder because Steve Carlton played for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> and, so, I mean, and so everything, you know, it just started happening in the Holy Spirit. And so Don gets a telephone call. and It's never happened. Don gets a telephone call. He's like, I need to take this call. He goes out. He comes back. It was his daughter, and I'm not going to share. But anyway, we ended up, we were like, okay, well, let's, we're having this Pentecostal prayer meeting. Let's start praying for your daughter. So we started praying for his daughter, and it reminded me of the very last verse in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6, 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And we started praying for our children, all of our children, um, People started breaking, being contrite in heart in front of the Lord and repenting of things that they had done or not done as a father for their own children. We were crying out for our children's souls, for their healing. The Holy Spirit was, you know, bringing repentance, true, I believe, true repentance into our hearts. We got done doing that for a little while. The Holy Spirit's like, Jay, we need to pray for our wives. So I said, we should, if we're going to pray for our children, let's pray for our wives. And then the Spirit just went. <laughs> we all got broken down. Oh, God, you know, praying for our wives. And then again, the repentance came. Lord, forgive me for not being the husband that I should be, for not loving my way, the, my wife the way that Christ loved the church. And it was just breaking all over. We were crying. I mean, I was bawling like a baby. I mean, I'm a United States Army drill sergeant. I retired from the Army. I've been in war a couple of times. I don't cry often. I don't smile often. People are like, why do you hate me? I'm like, I don't. I'm smiling on the inside. <laughs> but I started, you know, and the spirit rocked me, and I'm just crying. I'm like, oh, God, you know, I'm, I need your help, you know, I can't do this, but you can do this, God. You can do this. You can help me be the man that I need to be. You can help me be the father I need to be. You can help me be the husband I need to be. And we went through that. I mean, this is wave after wave. I mean, we're talking two, two and a half hours, just wave after wave. And then God brought, you know, repentance and healing that I needed inside of myself. I'm like, you guys need to pray for me. You know, I'm like, there's darkness in my mind, the things I've seen, the things I've done, you know, they're just dark and I need healed from that. And they prayed for me. And again, I'm start bawling again. I'm like, you know, and ever since then, I've been walking around with this smile on my face. I can't get off my face. So much so I told Judy, my jaws hurt. I'm smiling so much. I'm using muscles I've never used before because I have this perpetual, I'm laughing like a hysterical clown. I'm like, okay, God, taking this guy that doesn't smile and doesn't, and now I'm like, ha, ah. It was God, wave after wave of God, but it was because we were broken. It was because we were contrite in front of God. It was because we were 
turning our hearts toward our children like we're supposed to. It was because we were turning our hearts toward our wives like we're supposed to. And God wrecked us. The Holy Spirit wrecked us. Amen. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you. I desperately need you right now. Well, it was funny. Our brother walked in a little bit late, and I think the Holy Spirit set us up. Uh, I said something. You ever say something off the cuff? I'm like, why did I say that? You know, I said, this sounds like confession. This was in the beginning. And it truly was. But like Jay said, it was total repentance. And 90% of it was, first of all, just talking about how we had not looked after our wives properly, the way God seen us the way God seen our wives, you know. He gave us a helpmate. He, he told us that we were to become one. And I think most of us were apologizing to God because we hadn't been the spouse that we needed to be. And um, to add to that, I believe that is just the beginning of our men's den confession. You know, we want the Holy Spirit. We desperately want him. But he wants us to do something so that he can use us. We can't just call him down when it's convenient. Father God gives him that choice of when that's the right time. And uh, I'd like to see the Holy Spirit fall on all of us. You know, I've just realized recently, and I've been a Christian for almost 65 years, I need him desperately. He's my friend. You know, he's my comforter. He's everything in me. Thank you very much. Stay here. I want to testify. Look at there, I did that without even thinking. I'm a left-handed man that had his shoulder operated on these guys, man. I don't want to imply that giving testimony to the presence of Jesus is more important than anybody, but I want to give testimony to what happened to us on Monday night was just um, God decided to honor his his name. You know, he, he, he honored the honor that we've been giving each other. We started how long ago? Months and months ago, and we said, let's create a culture of honor, men. And let's be intentional about loving each other, about, about showing up here. And honestly, consistently, about 12 of us, be 13, 14, but you know, about, and just uh, everywhere we're going and everything we're doing and everything about this fellowship, let's try to be pillars and create a culture of honor, right? Okay, and we stumbled and bumbled and we really don't have any idea what we're doing, if the truth be known, okay? And we know that, so we all gave ourselves up to Jesus. And I know what happened to me was when I walked in the door on Monday night, I not only felt the love of God, I felt the love of those 12 or 13 or however many men were in that room. Genuine love. Like, I mean, I've never really felt that exact quality of love 
before, which was the thing that we've been confessing and holding on to here is that, is that we're going to learn how to love here. We're going to learn how to love one or two people at least if we can't learn how to love all people. And, 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 and we're going to cherish this little fellowship of, of men that we have here. And we're going we're gonna to pray for each other. And it, it, it's uh, apropos, actually, that Rick came here today because I was in his garage where the stream of people were coming through there. And what happened was just they were coming from all over the place. And every single one of them would lay hands on us and pray for us. You know, and you get all these anointings and all these blessings and all these things and all these opportunities to, to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and what they all sum up to is the presence of love and the two, true presence of, of Jesus. And I sat down in a chair. Here's why I want to testify. I want you to be encouraged. That I was sitting in the lobby out here on Monday night, and I felt electricity-like feelings go through my body. I've had a lot of sensations with the Lord, and this was something so new. I sat down in that chair, and when Joe came and the love that was in his hand, when they wanted to give me the seat of honor. You remember that? It was like, please, come over here. Sit in the most comfortable place in the corner. I was like, no, 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 I'm late. Let's drag up a chair out here where, where I belong. And the love that was in that man when he put his hand down on me, and I began to be cleansed and recharged and, and filled and, and, and made new. I mean, it was like I got new spark plugs and new, new programming for my uh, onboard computer. I got you know, washed in the blood of Jesus and everything that was, was dark in me was made white as wool by the love of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. And that's all I'm doing, folks, is saying that the kingdom of God is right here. Thank you. Thank you, Don. And uh, give honor to my brother, Don. He started the men's group years and years and years ago. So anyway, we're going to take up the offering now. The baskets are up front here, and you can give online. And um, we're going to pray a blessing over the offering and those who give. So, Father, we thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord. Lord, you alone are worthy of our praise, God. And God, we need you desperately right now. We need you, Lord. We're finding ourselves in a place where we are so out of control that we need you, Lord. We need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our families. We need you in our city. We need you in our county, Lord. We need you in our state. We need you in the federal government, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit, to rip through this land like a rushing fire, Lord, like a wind, and sweep this land, Lord. We need the explosion of evangelism to happen, Lord. People need you, Lord. I need you. I desperately need you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would bless everyone who gives today, Lord. I ask that you would pour out... Open the floodgates of heaven, like your word says, and pour out a blessing on them so massive that they have to testify to your greatness, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those who give. Lord, take this offering and multiply it in only the way that you give increase, Lord. And give us the wisdom to use every, all of the funds to advance your kingdom here in Moravian Falls and Wilkes County, Lord. We need you for that too, Father. 
We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on up and give, y'all. Thank you. Well, it's been almost three years since I've been here. Uh, too long. You guys should be in heaven by now. Uh, but it's great to be back. And uh, I have some things I think uh, I need to share with you. It, aren't these great times to be living in? <laughs> you know? And uh, But <clears throat> I want to talk about, my main message today is about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things by which we can really determine if someone, how mature they are in the Lord, how much joy they have. You know, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. And uh, if we lose our joy, that's evidence of something really gone awry in our life. And we need to fix it. <laughs> okay. So, but, <clears throat> you know, 2020 was certainly an interesting year. Uh, one of the best years of my life, but 2021's getting better. And, uh, but 2020 was incredible. You know, Bob Jones, our friend who's buried right over here, uh, you know, the Lord given him a word for decades, several decades. And the word he had for 2020 was, we're going to enter the Lord's rest. You know, did we not? <laughs> couldn't go to work, couldn't go, you know, hardly anywhere. And the only word he gave me was Psalm 23.2, where he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I mean, he kind of made us rest, didn't he? And uh, now I know, I believe COVID, the source was the devil. I really do I believe it was an attack on our country and the whole world. God uses everything the devil does. I mean, he, he's not going to get away with anything without God using it for good. He causes all things to work together for good for those who love him. And, uh, but that was certainly a, a wonderful year. I know we were having one of the strangest revivals. I never even thought of a revival like this. When you can't get together, can't meet, and people were having revival. You're having to social distance but having revival. But virtually everyone I talked to that last year, they got their priorities right again. They uh, got closer to the Lord. A whole lot of things got fixed in our lives and we needed that. But, you know, there's an easier way to go through some of these things. <laughs> and, uh, but <clears throat> we're gonna talk about a little bit, but in Nehemiah 8.10, he says, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, he didn't say our joy was our strength. The Lord's joy is our strength. So one of the ways we get strength is by making God happy. <laughs> making him joyful, pleasing the Lord. Now, that does result in our joy, too. It says, Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. 
Now, these are in sequence. To have joy, you've got to have his peace. You're not going to have joy without peace. And you're not going to have peace, not true peace, without walking in righteousness, which is doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. So if we do that, if we're living right in the sight of the Lord, we're walking with him, doing what we should do, we're going to have a peace that the world can't understand. If we have that peace, we're going to have a joy. And one of the Lord showed things the Lord showed me about these times was, he said God's people were going to be so full of joy, they're going to be so happy that the whole world's going to think we're retarded. <laughs> they, they don't, those people don't understand what's going on. The world's falling apart. We're happy about it. We're not happy about that. But we have a joy that that is not going to upset us. Our hope is not in this world. We're not even supposed to be at home in this world. So if we're walking as we should and growing up in all things into Christ, as he has called us to, we will, one of the marks of maturity is increasing joy. Okay? Now in Psalm 16, he says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, in his presence is fullness of joy. So if we're starting to get depressed, have a darkness, we're not experiencing the joy, we've, that's evidence we have drifted from him. Because you cannot be that way in his presence. It is not possible to be depressed when you're in the fullness of joy. You know, in the biblical times, if anyone showed any kind of sorrow or depression or anything like that in the presence of a king, they could be executed. That's why Nehemiah was so afraid when the Xerxes, King Xerxes, noticed that he was depressed. He was discouraged about something. He, you know, he got afraid. He could have been, he could have been uh, severely punished for that. No, you, you're just not supposed to be lacking joy in the presence of the king. Well, how much more the king of kings? How can we be abiding in his presence and not know that joy? Now, I think very few are very, very few are really experiencing the manifest presence of the Lord the way we're supposed to. That's what we're here for. That's what the church is for, to be filled with him. But here's a barometer. Well, I want to tell you how to get there and how to stay there. It's so easy. You know it. I'm not telling you anything new. Psalm 100, verse 4, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want to enter the presence of the Lord, become a thankful person. And doesn't it say, in all things give thanks? We'll read those. But uh, mankind left his presence when they ceased to be thankful. Now we need to get this. It was not pride that caused the fall. It was not pride that caused Satan to fall. It was something much deeper, much deeper. It's called ungratefulness. Satan was not satisfied with what the position God had given him. 
And that's one of the things that lead to a lack of thanksgiving, a lack of gratefulness, which leads to a lack of joy. We start getting dissatisfied with what God has given us, what he's doing in our life. We get impatient, you know, and ungrateful. Caused the fall. I believe it caused the fall of Adam and Eve. If they had been grateful and satisfied for what God had given them, they wouldn't have even been open to the suggestion that God's not giving you something you need. So, you know, a few years ago, you guys know Robin McMillan, and we get together occasionally and just go over stuff. But the Lord kind of was showing both of us at the same time that how just being a thankful person your joy is going to go ratcheting up because you're going to be experiencing more and more of his presence. And uh, we start trying to walk in this and uh, give thanks to the Lord. You know, as it says in 1 Chronicles 16, 8, give thanks to the Lord. This was Psalm of David. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. But it starts with giving thanks. Psalm 7, 17 says, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to his name, to the name of the Lord Most High. Over and over we see this in scripture. There were like 79 um, exhortations to give thanks just in the Old Testament. And uh, says in Psalm 9-1, I will give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart. And in 1 Thessalonians 5-18, it says, in everything give thanks. That, you know how, what that includes? Everything. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And uh, so we know we seek the Lord and his strength, we seek it, we're told in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, seek his face continually. That's his presence. It says, as we are, whenever the joy of the Lord is your strength, so we cannot be depressed. So we need to start noticing when we're starting to get dark, we're starting to get depressed, we're losing our joy. We have simply drifted from the Lord. The answer is get back. And we get back by being thankful. Start thanking for everything. Now, I had an experience, you know, I got COVID. How many of you have had COVID? Wonderful. (laughs) I had the greatest time when I had COVID. I highly recommend it to everybody. (laughs) that I really did. Now, I got COVID because I was a hypocrite. And the Lord showed me, and and that's how I opened the door to getting it. And uh, as soon as that thing was, it wasn't even on the radar screen yet, uh, we we started seeking the Lord about it. And one of the things he showed me was were how the Jews had been exempt from the plague during the Middle Ages. They didn't get the plague. Nobody could figure out why. Well, it was their hygiene laws. Now, it wasn't until hundreds of years later that they understood 
why the Jews didn't get the plague because of that, because then they learned their germs and bacteria and things like that. But nobody knew at the time that, but God gave them those laws, you know, 2,000 years before, or by then it was almost 3,000, uh, because he knew all that. So I was just, I just told our people, you know, wash your hands. It's probably the most important thing you can do. Wash your hands. Now, you know, the CDC came out again, again last week and said the masks don't work. The next day they tried to backtrack. They've done that over and over. You know, anyone knows a little bit about science, they can't work. Now they can help you in other ways. Doctors wear them because they can protect you from bacteria and all, or from you spreading it. But, you know, viruses are like a thousandth, they're just a tiny fraction of what a bacteria, the size of a bacteria, and they just blow right through these masks like they're not there. Well, it's okay, I want to be healthy, but I've always believed in fist bumping rather than shaking hands. Because I've watched so many people sneeze in their hand and come shake mine. <laughs> you know, sometimes 10 people have done that and they've all shook hands with each other and they want to give you all 10 things. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, that's just me, you don't have to do it. But I like the fist bump, you know, that's good for me. Uh, but uh, anyway, I was a hypocrite. I had told everybody, wash your hands, be clear, be, you know, this is a serious thing, we want to be healthy. But I got careless. You know what careless means? To care less. And I started getting careless and... And I, so I got COVID, and the Lord showed me exactly how I'd gotten it. So then I got vision for the COVID. I said, okay, you've forgiven me. I've been able great. I confess that to our church. You know, I, did, I wasn't doing what I was telling you to do. But I said, this COVID's got to be awesome. I mean, it says all things work together for good. That includes all things. COVID's part of all things. So I really determined I'm going to have the best time. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't that bad for, except for three days. For three days, I thought I had the first, worst flu I'd ever had plus Ebola. It was so bad. It was, uh, I had never felt that bad in my life. But you know what? I'd never felt joy like that. The presence of the Lord was so strong, so with me during that whole time, and uh, it, it, I was saying, this is worth it. This is really worth it. Now, I don't necessarily want to do it again, but I would. And, uh, but it, it was a very special time. Um, and then the third day, after the three really bad days, where I couldn't get out of bed, I was so sick. I was home alone during the whole time, Julie spends most of her time down with her dad, who's an invalid down the coast. And, uh, and you know, the health department called me and said, hey, you're good now, you can leave quarantine, you should be okay. I said, great. So I stood up, you know, the bathroom's only maybe 10 feet from the bed. I couldn't make it. I'd never felt weakness like that. 
And uh, I, I, there was a chair about halfway, and I sat down in the chair. And I said, Lord, what in the world is this? You know, it was, and immediately I was in heaven. And I was face to face with the Lord. And, you know, I don't want to get into all the details about the setting and everything, but it was a face to face encounter. I don't think it lasted more than five minutes. Earth time. It's hard to tell earth time and that time where there's no time really. But, uh, but then I'm back in that chair and still weak. You know, to me, I was saying, I made it to the bathroom, back to the chair, had to stop halfway to get back to bed. And then I thought about going to the living room and it was like thinking about climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> I said, that isn't going to happen <laughs> today. Same thing the next morning. But I felt a little more strength. Made it halfway, sat down in the chair, boom, I'm right back in the same place. This went on for 15 days. But it says, you know, you can't not be joyful in his presence, but he was rebuilding my strength from just about zero. By, after just a few days, I had a vision. I'm not just going to get back to 100%. I'm going to get back to 200%. You know, and then I'm going for 300. And, you know, uh, but it was such a special time. And all he did was talk to me about the kingdom. About his coming kingdom. And uh, that few minutes every day was just about all I could absorb. Is just about all I could handle. And I was, a couple of days, I was thinking, it'll take me a lifetime to process this. And, you know, I've already used up most of this one. And, you know, there's, uh, but it doesn't matter. It, you know, kept pushing me towards the kingdom. This was right during the election. And I could not get interested in the election. I tried to turn the news on election night. I could not watch it. It was too boring. This was so boring. And I didn't even want, I didn't even care. I said, this is going to work out. Everything's going to work out. You know, God is not up in heaven wringing his hands over our elections or anything else. Says he sits in the heavens and laughs. And when is he laughing? It says when the kings of the earth are trying to sever their connection to him. He's laughing about it. He's happy. He's in his own presence. <laughs> you know, he's... <laughs> He can't help but to be happy. But uh, it was not until a few days, I think it was November 7th, that I am sitting to it with him face to face. He made it like the most casual setting you could imagine, but it was heaven. It wasn't the throne room, or, but it was heaven. And we're sitting face to face, and all he said was, do you know why you have so much trauma in your country? And you know, when the omniscient God asks you a question, he's not asking, not really seeking information. You know, he's already got that. So I know, I said, Lord, why? He said, because you have not fulfilled 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. He said, some, you know, it says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name, not the heathen, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves, 
pray, seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways, he will heal our land. And what he said was, some had humbled themselves. He said more prayer was going up right now than at any time in history. He said, but almost all of it is about temporal things. He said, we're not at rarely even praying the prayer he gave us to pray for his kingdom to come, his will to be done. We're praying about all the stuff that's destined to pass away. And uh, then he said, uh, almost no one was seeking his face. You know, he wouldn't give us these scriptures. That one I read a little earlier about uh, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. He said, I wouldn't tell you to seek my face and you not be able to do it. Meet with me face to face. He's not going to tell us to do things. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. seek his face. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 3 that the glory that Moses experienced, which was so much he had to put a veil over his face, because of the glory of the Lord, because he had been meeting with the Lord face to face. Read that chapter. He goes on to say, we're supposed to be experiencing more glory than that. We in the new covenant. Where's the glory? I mean, if you look at most Christians, they're so somber, somber and depressed and miserable. Why does anybody want to follow that? And that's evidence somehow we have really departed from his presence. We're not walking with him. We may be reading some scriptures, going to church and doing a lot of things, but that's evidence that we are not abiding in the Lord. You cannot be in his presence and be depressed. Not possible. Not possible. So, anyway, went on. And then I asked, I asked him the only question, I asked a couple of questions during those 15 sessions like that. But I asked him, I said, Lord, what is the main thing we can do to help prepare the way for your kingdom? He said, make disciples. And, you know, if, if I'd answered that question, I would have said, pray more, seek his face more, humble yourself, all those things. But if you think about it, making disciples includes all of that. Because the Great Commission to make disciples, teaching them to observe everything he commanded. I saw it right away. That fulfills everything. But we've not been making disciples. We've been making converts. If you read the Lord's definition of what a disciple is, you would probably think, I may not know one. You can be converted and not be a disciple. And read what the Lord said his disciples would be and how they would live. And uh, then I asked him, I said, Lord, how do we start? You know what he said? Start. You know, it's basic law of inertia. You cannot steer anything that's not moving. Go out there and try to steer your car when it's not moving. You know, we've got to be moving. Get them, get going. You know, sometimes the first step is the most, can be the most important step in any journey. 
Just get up and do something. Get them going. Yes, you may do it wrong. You know, you may not do it. You definitely won't do it perfectly. That isn't going to happen. But do something. Do it. Now, also, you know, we've been digging down on making disciples since November. But, uh, you know, I think we've gone awry in trying to make disciples in the past by trying to make people our disciples instead of his disciples. You know, and, and that's a key factor. Shulamite May said, why should I veil myself in the flocks of your companions? I want to be in your flock. We're all called to be in his flock. So, um, but to go on about that, you can't make something that we're not, though. We can't make disciples if we're not disciples. We need to revisit what did Jesus say about his disciples? We've got to walk in that. That is the most basic Christianity. And many people are not walking in basic Christianity. And you can have all the doctrines. You can understand all the doctrines, memorize them, preach them better than anybody else, and not walk in them. Sometimes we substitute knowledge for life, for living them. Okay? Now, in 2014, I had this encounter with the Lord and uh, where he showed me the levels. And I had seen it before, but I felt like he really showed me this is true, the levels of our relationship to him. First, you begin. You've got to be born again. How many of you know, how many of you were born? <laughs> Least half. <laughs> you know, so you've got to start at the beginning, got to start somewhere. And, uh, and being born again is not the end of the matter, it's the beginning of the matter. It's the beginning of the journey. But then the next thing is we're called to make disciples, not just converts. But after disciple, becoming a disciple, there's a bondservant, being a bondservant. And uh, you know, you cannot understand the book of Revelation without being a bondservant. He says right in the beginning, this he was given to give to his bondservants. Very few Christians are bondservants. Read the definition of what a bondservant is. We've talked about that before here. You know, bondservant doesn't wake up and just say, great day, I'm going to do this. Bondservant wakes up, master, what would you have me to do today? Bondservant doesn't just get a big check in the mail and think about the new boat he wants to buy or whatever. It's, Master, what do you want me to do with your money? And it's a life. It's not just a doctrine. Where we really live as the bondservant. And I think as we mature in that, there's a point where he'll say, you're no longer servants but friends. And that's a whole new level of relationship. And then the highest level, of course, is being a son or daughter. I want to let you in on something. In a general sense, we're all sons and daughters of the Lord if we've been born again. When it talks about John 3, where when someone's born again, he's talking about being born again, he talks about they're given the power to become sons of God. Very few do it. Very few really do it. Not in the sense he's talking about. And that's the highest level of relationship. 
Have you noticed how popular it is now for everybody to decree and declare, but nothing happens? We don't have, we're not at that level of authority. We grow up into Christ. We only have true spiritual authority to which we have grown up into the King. All this authority comes from Him. But when you're a son or daughter, if you really get to that level of relationship where he says, you're no longer just a friend, you're my family now, you get to write checks on his account. They decree and declare, and it always happens. Always. I, I started inquiring of the Lord for, for a long time. I said, Lord, tell me about being a, a son. What are, what's the main, how do we do that? You know, because it's pretty clear about the bondservant and the disciple. And, and he said the main thing was, he said, it's so simple, most people look right over it. He said, but you've got to come to know the Father. Amen. That's a real key is knowing the Father. Amen. And, uh, and then about a year or so later, I was praying about it and asking him about it. Tell me, please teach me. The Lord's my teacher. I ask him to teach me. And uh, I said, Lord, teach me some more what it means to be a son. He said, you know, he scourges every son he receives. I said, wait a minute, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) And then he showed me what my scourging was going to be. My worst fears, absolute worst fears. He said, no, you have to go through this. And uh, I, I'm not claiming to have gone through it or you know, acquired anything yet. I've had some scourging, though. And uh, it, uh, let me just say that. You've heard me say before, my philosophy is no pain, no pain. I hate pain. Okay. I want to get out of this as painlessly as I can. One of the things he said, you're going you're gonna to experience some pain. So a few months ago, uh, Lord said, you know, showed me I was going to go through three days of the worst pain I've ever known. It wasn't just the worst pain I've ever known. It was way worse than any pain I've ever known. It was worse than COVID. You know, I had a knee replacement. And they say that's the worst pain you can ever feel. You know how they go in there and they saw your knee joint out and then they hammer the new one. I mean, when you come out of that, and I told them, I don't want any of those drugs. I don't want any of that stuff. You, and they, give me Tylenol or something. I'll take that. They said, you will take these drugs. I said, no, I will not. <laughs> I woke up the next morning. Where are those drugs? <laughs> you know, it was just... Fast, bring them fast. <laughs> and uh, so I've experienced a little pain here and there. I've been pain with my knees most of my life. And, uh, but it, it, he said, I'm about to go through. I went through three days of pain. I didn't think you could stay conscious in this level of pain. I don't even know what it was. I don't know if I had a physical problem or not. But the Lord was so close again, but I resolved. It says, in everything give thanks. I said, I'm going to thank him for the pain. I'm going to thank him continually. I'm not going to quit thanking him. And the worse it gets, the more I'm going to thank. Each day it got worse than the previous day. 
And the third day was the worst of all. It was just taking my breath away. I mean, it was just all consuming pain. But I'm just gritting my teeth, doing my best to thank the Lord. And I felt the, the Lord was with me so close that I was still happy about things. And, um, and he would tell me, you're going to have some relief today at 4 o'clock. And 4 o'clock would come and the relief would come. And it would just be a little relief, but it felt like, man, I can fly. <laughs> you know, it was, but uh, it was, I've never had anything like that in my life. But on the third day, right at the end of the third day, when I knew it was just about over, it was the worst pain of all. And I'm just thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. And all of a sudden, I'm in heaven and I'm in the throne room. And I've never seen the Father face to face, but I've seen him from the side a couple of times. And uh, I could see him from the side. I was off maybe the length of this building from his throne and was just looking and it looked like he was bowed over and I, it looked like something's really wrong. Like something that grieved him or what, I couldn't tell. And then I noticed Jesus was standing right next to me. He said, nothing's wrong. He said, I wanted to show you how you impacted the Father when in your worst pain, you still worshiped, you still thanked him, you still trusted him. He said, I'm showing you how you touched him. Don't ever waste your trials. You know, we can touch him on earth like we'll never be able to touch him in heaven with our worship and thanksgiving, things like that. Because in heaven, you have to worship. It's too much glory. Yeah, I mean, you have to bow down. You see everybody in heaven, they see him, they bow, they go hit the deck. You just can't help it, and he knows that. But I tell you, when we're going through all the stuff, the attacks, and everything that's coming against us now, and we remain thankful and trusting, we can touch him like I don't think we'll ever be able to in heaven. Don't waste your trials. It's not just about getting through the trials, not just about what we get. We can touch him then. And, uh, you know, it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Now, I one time down at the beach, I had another one of those, I don't know what kind of sickness it was, but it hit me a few days. I shared this with you one time, I think. I was so sick, I couldn't get up, and then all of a sudden it lifted enough, so I came over here to our uh, you know, retreat center over Moravian Falls, and uh, you know, I was still tired and weak, so I just laid down and went to sleep. And I noticed what time it was before I went to sleep, but as soon as I went to sleep, I was in heaven. And I spent earth time eight hours in heaven. And it was the best part of heaven I'd ever seen. You know, there, heaven has geography like, kind of like the earth, but it's more diverse. I mean, you know, the whole earth, the whole natural realm is but a shadow of the heavenly realm. Everything, I believe there are gazillions of more species in heaven than there are on the earth. This is just a shadow of what is there. And, uh, but every time I've gone, had an experience like that, it was a different part. This was the best part of all. 
It was unbelievable. And I, I don't want to get into too much why it was the best part, because that'll be a whole new message. And I want you to get out of here before the Baptists get to the restaurants. <laughs> but the, uh, at the end of this experience, when I'm just awed, oh, you know, just this is so overwhelming. And he said, you know how you got here? I said, did I do something to get here? Because, you know, I felt like it just happened. He said, yeah, let me tell you how you got here. When you were so sick and you kept thanking the Lord and worshiping him and praising him. And, and I was sincere. I've been doing, growing in this for several and, and get, trying to get, and I feel more sincere. Like I really do get thankful for these things. That uh, he said, yeah, you use the key to eternal joy. I said, how did I do that? He said, thanksgiving. It leads to eternal. You brought joy to the Lord by your thanksgiving, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it is the key to eternal joy. And uh, so, challenging times are coming. So we get to grow in joy. <laughs> Doesn't he say in James 1, 2, consider it all joy. <laughs> My brother, and when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, endurance, perfect result, perfect, be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. You know, this one thing, counting it all joy, considering it joy, when we encounter trials, can lead to us lacking nothing. So, Peter was a little bit more explicit in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, I don't think all trials are necessary. I think we determined some of them. But he says, even if necessary, this, you have been distressed by various trials. He said, now let me start and I begin again. In this you greatly rejoice. Not just rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. That means that if we really have spiritual discernment, maturity, our next trial, we'll get so excited about our next trial, it'll be like we just found a bag of gold. And really the trial is worth far more than gold. I don't care, you can get all the gold in the world, you're not going to keep it very long. As someone said, you know, the mortality rate hovers somewhere around 100%. Just wanted to encourage you, but you're going to die. And that should be an encouragement. We should be excited that we get to go, leave this realm, go to the next. But, you know, that we understand that what trials work into us of his nature, of that which is going to last forever, that it is more valuable than anything we could have temporarily here. So he said, 
Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not legal to be grieved. I mean, we're going to grieve you, lose a close loved one or something like that. We really shouldn't be, though. I think we should be happy. They know the Lord. They're, going, they're happier than we are. I don't care how happy we are here. There, they're going to be happier. You know, so it's not, and we really believe this. How can we not be happy for anyone that goes on? Spurgeon said very few Christians believe in the resurrection. I thought, that's crazy. You can't be a Christian without believing the resurrection. Holy Spirit spoke to me right away and said, no. It was true in Spurgeon's time and it's true in your time. He said, what, you believe in a doctrine of the resurrection, but if you believed in the resurrection in your heart, you would not be so consumed with the things that are temporary. You would be consumed with the things that are eternal. You can believe doctrines in your mind. You can have them down, you can repeat them, memorize them, everything else, and not really be living. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The way is not a formula, the way is a person. Truth is not just getting our doctrines right, it's a person. And if that person is not our life, I don't think we really know the way or the truth. We've reduced them to formulas and facts and things instead of Truth is a person we're called to follow. The way is a person we're growing up into. Now let me end with this, so you can beat those Baptists down there. It says, as for Asher, this was Jacob's prophecy over his son Asher. You remember the 12 sons, 12 tribes? And remember Asher... Leah, his mother, named him Asher because she felt like, okay, finally, I've had some eight children. They're going to call me happy. I'm naming my son happy. Asher means happy. Then it says, as for Asher, and this is, I think there are people that are Ashers. You know, they're, they're just of this character trait. And they're always happy. If you were in the military, I know there's, and these really helped, you could be in the worst situation and somebody crack a joke. And it lifts everybody and gives you courage. You know, but the, that we're in desperate need of this. But I believe this is something we're all called to be, to grow up into. He said, as for Asher, his food shall be rich. And you know, an Asher can be sitting in a dry, dead meeting, maybe like this one, but uh, be having a feast. They're going to be having a feast. They just are not going to be bored. And he will yield royal dainties. Doesn't it say we are what we eat? But also we yield what we eat because his food was rich. And their food's always rich. If you're walking the joy of the Lord, I tell you, you are having a continual feast. And you will yield that. Then listen to what Moses said about Asher. Of Asher, he said, more blessed than sons is Asher. And it's true, everybody loves him. May he be favored by his brothers, they will be. But then it says, may he dip his foot in the oil. That speaks of walking in the anointing. 
Your locks and iron, your your locks will be iron and bronze. Hair in scripture sometimes speaks of strength. That's why Samson, when they cut his hair, he lost his strength. He says, Yours are going to be iron and bronze. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And according to your days, so will your leisurely walk be. We're supposed to be having a good time, folks. I don't care what's going on. Now, we don't get joyful at other people's trials and troubles and the world falling apart and all the bad stuff's happened. But we see, if we have seen the coming kingdom, if we've glimpsed that, we are going to have the joy of the Lord. If we abide in him, we're going to have the joy of the Lord. But you know, didn't Paul say in Acts 14, 22, through many tribulations shall we enter the kingdom of God. So in every trial, every tribulation, there's a gateway to the kingdom. That's why we should get excited. God gives us another trial. Praise the Lord, another gateway to the kingdom, another doorway to the kingdom. We just have to find that door. God doesn't just randomly let stuff happen to us. Everything works together for good. Everything has purpose. Find that purpose. Seize that opportunity. Don't waste your trials. Count them all joy, and you will have joy. And be thankful for everything, even these long-winded messages. Thank you.